Hi everyone and welcome to another interview uh, within the GCS Connect Leader Series. Just so you guys know, GCS is a technology recruiter and Connect is our online community we use to attract expert talent and innovative companies and put them together and, and talk about the sort of things that happen. And Leader Series is our way of talking to the leaders in our network and we've got a great episode for you today. It's uh, Phil and Louis from Acru Finance, uh, which really is a, a crypto um, exchange um, that allows people to you know, earn money off their, their cryptocurrency to deal in their cryptocurrency. But I think the key thing is to do it in a really customer centric way. And that's what the guys talk about today starting a startup in a very innovative market making sure that it's customer focused making sure you've got a great team about you and making sure you're always thinking about how to provide the best possible service to as many people as possible we spoke to a lot of people in the blockchain community recently we know a lot of companies are growing and excelling within this i think this acro is one of the key ones so um without further ado please enjoy the uh, session with phil and louis uh, and uh, Hope you enjoy. Hi there, everyone, uh, and welcome to another episode of the GCS Connect Leader Series. Uh, I'm really excited um, that we've got uh, Phil Blows and Louis Acquaintance uh, with us from Acru Finance. Uh, Phil is the founder and CEO of Acru. Uh, Louis is the CTO. And they describe Acru as the simplest and safest way to get rewards on your cryptocurrency and also to buy cryptocurrency and also to store cryptocurrency. This is something that we've discussed quite a lot in previous podcasts is real kind of disruption within the finance game and how this is changing. And actually, it was quite kind of interesting to me speaking to Phil last week, realizing that I could actually earn interest on my cryptocurrency, which I held not Unfortunately, I haven't got lots of cryptocurrency in my Revolut account, but he told me there's a way I can actually get the interest of it. So it, as an individual, my ears perked up. But some of the, the tech these guys are using and, the, and what these guys are doing is really, really interesting. So we were really keen to kind of get them on board. I know they've got a lot of interesting products coming up. So so hi, Phil. Hi, Louis. How are you? Very well, thank you. All Very going well, good. thanks. Great. Fantastic. Glad to be here. So obviously I've introduced a little bit, but obviously you guys can do it much better than me. So to so take us through Acru, you know, I know it's a, a, a relatively new company. Um, tell us a little bit about it and what you're really trying to, to achieve within your market. Yeah, I think well, one of the big things we we noticed very early on is there's, there's been this explosion in this concept of DeFi or decentralized finance. And you know, there are these amazing returns that people can make it with, with, with different kind of degrees of risk that they take on. But you know, certainly mine and Louis' background has been quite heavily focused in, in kind of helping people in, in terms of understanding their finances and things like that. And um, it, it, it's pretty obvious to us that this complex world of, of decentralized finance, and 99% of people are never going to get to the point where you know, they open up a wallet themselves, they go to an exchange and buy Ethereum to use as, as gas and fund yeah. that and then connect it with a decentralized exchange. So it is, it's completely impenetrable to your average everyday user. Mm. And I think that that's a problem that, that we've really taken on to try and solve because a lot of people think of crypto as kind of being full of scams and, you know, just sort of pump and dump coins and, you know, all these sorts of things. But there are some amazing opportunities within that market to, to really build wealth. And yeah. I think that's, that's what we're trying to do. So 
in terms of what a crew is as a business, we are we are that simplifying layer that sits on top of all of this complexity that that just really gives people you know, a, a, an easy route into these great returns, hopefully. So that that's that's sort of a, a core design principle for the business. Sure, sure. And Louis, obviously, I know that, that Phil's the founder. What, what what particularly kind of interested you in in coming into the business? Was it more on a technological side or what the business was trying to do? Yeah, I, I think um, I've kind of dipped my toe in the water previously with um, investing in Ethereum and being interested in sort of blockchain um, from a technical point of view. So I was really interested in in the the chance to. Um, become an expert in that um, and also I think I think one of the challenges when you're in this if you're a techie and you start to go up the food chain so to speak is you start to become a bit more managerial and yeah. you um, you can sometimes struggle to stay technical so the real blessing of kind of joining a startup um, in a really exciting space was the chance to build something from scratch um, and be able to use cutting-edge technology really and you know, coming into this, I guess one of the significant challenges you encounter is you're trying to simp- you're trying to do something that maybe hasn't been done before. So you you have to invent quite a lot, I guess. Yeah, I mean, there, there's elements to this that you know you you can you can take the best of what's out there already because at the end of the day, this this is someone looking to to put their money to work and 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 get a reward for their money. So. There are some very decent, tried and tested kind of user experience journeys that 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 work and have been tested, and we know hook people and keep them interested. So that element of it, the the, the front end user user experience, is hopefully relatively tried and tested, and you know we we've got some great examples that we can we can stand on the shoulders of. In, in terms of the back end, the complexity, I mean that that comes back to the. The experience of the investment management team and then you know how we run it operationally that's where we can we can leverage some really exciting new technology to to automate to um yeah to, to, re- to really build something that's truly scalable as well um so yeah there so it, it's a bit of a mixture of both that we we get i think louis probably has the harder job of of creating some stuff from from scratch especially in the back end in terms of the, the 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 front end user experience, there's some there's some tried and tested methodologies we can use. And also, I guess yeah. in finance as well, people are they want to see a sort of interface that they recognise and understand. That's part of the problem of 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 cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. If you do it like you said in a wallet on a PC or something, it's not what they understand. They're used to a a banking mobile app or or something, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. I, I think it's got to a stage as well where there are certain um, certain giants that we can stand on the shoulders of. So uh, examples would be, you know, one of the things, key things we need to do with our customers is put them through a, a sort of compliance check to, to check their sort of identity. Um, and and, and we, we've enjoyed uh, integrating with people such as on Fido to do that. Um, and also um, integrating with uh, companies such as Fireblocks that provide a, a kind of secure wallet transactions okay. so um so there's there's an, an element of innovation and breaking new ground there's also an element of um because we've got the uh, the backing and the funding to do so we can integrate with these big players in order to um simplify and also give our customers confidence about 
um, who we are and also um, and other compliance experts as well, but also, you know, that we're going to look after their funds. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And um, how, how long exactly is, has that accrue been, been going? It's, it's relatively new, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're really new. I mean, we really incorporated start this year. Um, but okay. previous to that, we were kind of managing friends and family capital, which we were doing since since around October of last year, um, sure. so, um, informally. Uh, but yeah, it's it's been it's been phenomenal just how much we've managed to get done. And um, you know, credit to the team that we we've got a very very agile, very very <clears throat> talented team that that's that's cranking out a lot of you know being incredibly productive. So we're you know, having worked at some large organizations previously, I think what we've achieved in in that time would take some organizations almost you know, years, but we've managed yeah. to really roll it out in a very short period of time, which is which has been incredible. And one of the things I was quite interested in yourself, Phil, because obviously mm-hmm. you come from that kind of financial advisory world, as it were, and, and you've 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 taken like you you mentioned we've been quite involved in helping people manage their money, you know, get the most out of their money. Um, and obviously you're very successful in that area and you're still doing it, but, but what, what gave you the real drive to, to take the step to, to kind of move into this more kind of entrepreneurial kind of, you know, business related side, as opposed to maybe more consultancy. I, I think it's, it comes back to like having, having your shot. We always say like, have your shot at the title. And okay. um, I think probably being honest, progressively, I was becoming a worse and worse employee. I don't think, um, you know, it's uh, for whatever reason, I think, you know, it's, it's probably probably listening to too many entrepreneurial podcasts and things like that. But, you know, yeah. just wanting to have a shot was making me pretty unmanageable as, a, as an employee. So, um, you know, I think um, I, 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 it was just trying to pick the right time. And I think then there's a realisation that there's never a good time. You know, we've yeah. it's sort of like you've always got the mortgage. I've got two young children. Um, yeah, you, you know, it's never a good time to take that entrepreneurial yeah. jump into business and do this this properly. And you know, leave, leaving a very comfortable, easy kind of salary salary and taking a massive pay cut to start something new is um, is a leap of faith. But I think when you're on on the real brink of it, there's nothing more rewarding than creating something out of nothing. Yeah, and, that's right. And bring, bringing an idea to life. I think it's you know you would, I'd, 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 yeah, it's worth, it's worth more than the paycheck to do because it's just, you know, it's exhilarating. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's I, the I, stuff I, I, of I legends, do, isn't yeah. it, Phil? That's, that's where the legends are built, as it were. So. You've got to take the risk, you know, and I, 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 I guess it's, I guess, yeah, it's almost, uh, it's the night, I'm naive enough to think I can do this. I think it's yeah. the thing. And it's, I, I, I love, there's a guy called Kevin Plank, I love who founded Under Armour, and he always talks about being, you know, having that mixture of confidence and naivety that enables you just to swing the bat because you believe you can do it. And I think, um, yeah, I, I maybe it's a bit of a touch of arrogance as well, but I look at a lot of the founders out there who've, who've built phenomenal businesses and I think, you know, why not, why not us as well? Yeah, exactly. And I think there's a lot of things that happens with that. I was interested in what you said there about, you know, being an entrepreneur and then not like becoming a difficult employee. I'm sure you weren't obviously a, a bad employee, but a difficult sure employee. Yeah. You think like with leaders, and this is obviously the subject of the podcast that a lot of leaders, you know, want to be in charge. They want to be the leader. I think that's, that's an interesting point, isn't it? You know, almost you become the leader because 
you want to you want to take that responsibility and you find it difficult not to take that responsibility yeah um, you know you end up just asking over and over again why why you know I, I, I think you can't accept just being told to do something without kind of understanding the the rationale behind it and yeah you know it's if you then go on to achieve and it's someone else's sort of dream it's almost not as rewarding so it, it kind of yeah it's it having having your neck on the line in 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 the, the biggest way possible is gives you the greatest reward you know I, I, so i think it's 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 wanting it's wanting that risk but um yeah, yeah. It, well i think um you know especially as you know working in the industry that you're working in like we talk going back to innovations and ideas like this is the right sort of area to do it in because you know molds are being broken aren't they like new ideas it's it's that exciting element as well isn't it that, that these things can happen and and no one really is that that first to market yet are they obviously the platform's there in terms of the blockchain and you know the types of currency but no one's really there in terms of being the the one-off leader kind of google or apple of this market are they yeah i mean it's it it's it's, it's difficult to sort of work out where you are in the life cycle of crypto but because you know as, as you work in it quite closely you kind of assume that it's it's maybe more the market penetration is bigger than it actually is when, yeah. when you take a step back and just kind of ask 10 people that you know you know do you own crypto and you know, eight of them probably say no and that's yeah. that's that's probably within its target demographic. Mm. You know, I think we're we're nowhere in terms of the you know, the potential. If yeah, it it could all fail. You know, obviously, and, you know, it gets regulated or banned out of existence. But yeah, it's hit a point where it's worth one point five trillion dollars now as a market, and and it's going from owning it to using it. I guess it's like this: what you were saying about interest and that sort of thing. It's 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 going from that point, isn't it? Where it, it becomes a i know you can in probably some cool coffee shop in hoxton or whatever you can use a a bitcoin it's when you can use it in the my local asda or something like that that's when it's really that's really it's when it's really rolling isn't it yeah and i, I think yeah, a lot a lot of people have been a bit scared of regulation coming into crypto but i, I think people need to appreciate that the real assets are held by institutional investors and high net worth individuals yeah that is where the world's wealth sits so yeah. and that stuff does not move unless there is you know some sort of investor protection which generally gets brought by regulation so yeah. you know although a lot of people have seen some of these moves by regulators as being negative it is it's the first step to this being a truly large asset class that is comparable to, to bonds and equities so yeah. it's it's going to be it's going to be super interesting to see how that how that develops but yeah, I mean, anything that allow it, you know, that 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 puts it within a regulatory kind of framework that then allows it to become as ubiquitous as using an Asda or Sainsbury's and things like that. Yeah, that that's where mass adoption comes, and yeah, we've so we've taken huge leaps towards that a lot faster than a lot of industry insiders thought we might. I mean, we've seen in the US that there's a major infrastructure bill that is you know releasing hundreds of billions worth of really needed funding. The thing holding it up is is crypto tax regulation, which the senators thought was just a you know, something that was a, a bit of a niche product. And all of a sudden, they're having to to really get glued up on it because you know, it's, um, it, it's 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 part of a major bill that they've got to sign off. Yeah, 
And talking on the tech side, Louis, um, you know, from your side, you know, backing this up, you know, following, as it were, the the, the, the changes in the market and how the company is progressing, what, what are your main priorities to, to kind of continue to kind of keep pushing that and continue to stay ahead of the market, would you say? Well, I think, um, first of all, uh, we're really trying to, um, we're looking to release our, our um, web app, mobile app and, uh, and APIs sort of September, October times. So that's going to be the first, um, the first kind of uh, target. Um, and then really entering into a period of um, sort of first three, six months, trying to ensure that we're, we're scaling the product, um, support the user numbers. Um, that's kind of going to be key. I mean, one of the areas that we're really interested in is, is whether or not um, we want to do stuff with our own coin um, as, a, as, a, as a potential offering um, as, uh, and seeing whether we can, um, I think, begin to automate some of the trading that go, that's going on behind the scenes as well. So I think that's going to free us up to um, be able to um, stay lean and stay efficient as a company, not have to hire too many too many folk. Um, and uh, yeah, I think does that fit in, Phil, with your your thinking yeah. as well? Yeah, that, that's it, absolutely. And I think it, well, one thing that's always amazing is just how the pace of innovation within what is already a very quick market. So you know, we're, we're trying not to make too many long-range predictions but um you know one area that we've got a close eye on is kind of nfts non non-fungible tokens which you know three six months ago were really fringe and are now um kind of outpacing some of the biggest exchanges in terms of the amount of sort of um fees that they're generating for the for ethereum network so you know there could be there could be some amazing opportunities within that space i mean I'm seeing people buying JPEGs of rocks for 250 grand and stuff like that, which you know I don't necessarily think that's going to be the, the way forward. But um, you know, it's it's just interesting to see it as a you know a new blockchain use case that's you know, that, that's really engaging because it's coming from these kind of your play to earn type games like Axie Infinity, which is one where you're seeing these these sort of online games which seem very very basic on the surface but people are earning quite a lot of money out of them especially in yeah. some fairly you know, like low income countries around the world you're seeing the, you're seeing these games sort of increase the average salary of of the of the country i mean axiom 30 paid something like 240 million in fees last month wow. you know, it's 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 insane so there's seeing where and how this is going to innovate in the future, you know, and just making sure that we are on the cutting edge of that and having the, having the talent at the business that is able to see these opportunities as they appear, appear is, is, is kind of our, our key priority. So when you start talking about talent and you've obviously spoken about remaining lean and, you know, being reactive, I guess, you know, what, what's the sort of, what what are the sort of candidates do you think work well within this this market that you're really kind of looking out for? You you mentioned obviously you've got a great kind of core team. What types of people do you need to add to that to to keep building that great team? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things we're uh, conscious of, um, I'm conscious of certainly, is that you know developers want to want to work on. Um, and a kind of exciting uh, platform that's using relatively recent technology. Um, so that might translate into, you know, developers don't really want to be working on 
um, Angular, JS, um, front end and a PHP API that they're, they're not the flavor of the month. And so um, I think having, therefore we've, we've chosen a platform that's, you know, um, it's all, you're all using cloud technology, using AWS, it's using um, uh, TypeScript and React, React Native, the mobile app and um, variety of different databases and sort of queuing technology. So, um, and sort of, you know, sort of users, developers that are gonna, that wanna work on that sort of thing. Um, and I think we're looking for people ultimately that um, wanna have fun, you know, not, we, we don't, we, 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 we like, we like to just um, be honest and frank and have some banter, you know, as we're working, don't be too serious. We're also just looking for people who are, um, yeah, looking to stay current in the technologies they're using. And um, it's, it's a massive bonus as well if they are people who um, uh, wanna, wanna build very you know, highly tested code that's robust, scalable, these sorts of things. Um, so I think that's kind of um, where we're looking. I mean, a variety of, a variety of, of, of gifts and abilities, but I think just their willingness to stay current and, and wanna work on something exciting is, um, and, uh, and, and to be fair, um, the team have been producing things at a very fast rate. And now I have worked in places where people are, are kind of keen to just um, trickle along, you know, and not really um, deliver a lot and, and, and sort of, so I think that, that desire, that hunger to, to actually um, get a product to market and see change fast is, is really what we're after. And do you think that come again, thinking on the leadership side, Louis, you said you wanted to stay close to technology, stay close to the actual work. Do you think yeah. having like yourself that has that, that drive to, to want to be close to it, to not like remove yourself, but actually be in the thick of things. Do you think that that kind of helps the pace of, yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah, I think you know we've we've got some um, talented and experienced guys, you know, who can get know how to do stuff and get stuff done fast, which is a big a big um, big thing. But I think it's interesting looking at sort of patterns within um, software engineering and the sort of career path. So what I've seen over the last two or three years is this kind of divergence between you know, people they become software engineers, senior software engineers, maybe lead software engineers, and then they either go into kind of software engineering management or they stay technical. Um, but the, the interesting thing is, is that, you know, even if you stay technical, you still end up writing um, less code. And your job really is to kind of be more um, architectural, visionary, um, guide, guide the teams on what technologies they should use and how they should do it. But the problem is, is that within a year or two, your actual coding ability and your, um, your your sort of touch with the latest things and how to do things is, is getting you're getting further and further away it's almost you know it's a long career and uh you've got to be careful that you don't become too far away from the technical stuff because you 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 may lose your ability to actually be that helpful <laughs> because yeah. um so it's it's just a bit of a challenge i think um so i guess it's I, difficult the element you've got of consultancy where you know feel you know that that element you have to keep your knowledge up to a really high level don't you all the time to be an expert as it were yeah. and obviously coding is i guess it's more like kind of sport in some ways isn't it you know you need to to kind of keep keep your keep your arm in and your eye in 
as opposed to knowledge, which is kind of easier to, to accumulate, isn't it? It is interesting because you, you the, the reference to kind of a sports team, because you, you think about most sort of football coaches tend to be you know, fairly decent footballers in their own right, having sort of been through the mill um, themselves and, and kind of understanding. I think, you know, as Louis says, there's a big part of you leading by example in, and, and ownership in, in the business that, that we have. So I have it on the trading side that I've got to stay in order to understand sort of emerging sort of trends in risk, got to stay really, really close to exactly what is going on in, 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 in the market itself. And, you know, so I think despite, yeah, as we grow further, I think I'll always have a book of, of capital that I manage because it, it just keeps me that close and that sharp to, to the market. Yeah, I think you know, that, that, that's what it's all about. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I, for myself, like quite like doing these podcasts, you know, is you get to kind of leadership level within any business. You know, you're not speaking to the clients, you're not speaking to the customers, you're not understanding where people are. And I think that's one of the things I'm kind of getting from this is that you guys are still very, very invested in what you're doing. You know, you, you're not, you, you're kind of down in the weeds is the wrong word, but really kind of understanding how the business is plotting forward and, and making those kind of key strategic decisions yourself, right? I think the market's just moving too quickly. And I think that, but at the same time, we're setting the business up culturally to be, you know, to be like that. So, we, yeah, we've, uh, yeah, we, we've got a, we've got a very much a, a workforce that's sort of spread around um, the, the UK at the moment and you know, potentially further afield. Um, but you know we're we're not we're we're really really not a prescriptive employer. So you know holidays are completely flexible. Take as much as you like. Obviously you know obeying standards that are out there. Um, you know, same with working patterns. Work when you want, where you want. And you know we're not going to in any way dictate how you should do. And I think coming back as a business, this is this is where. I think a lot of organizations are scared to do that because it puts it puts the pressure on the business to dictate or to set the agenda of what needs to be achieved. Mm, yeah. And I think, you know, having clarity of what needs delivering is is often quite tough in, in big businesses. You know, we, we know exactly what needs to be delivered in what time frame and you know what what the roadmap looks like both from a tech and business development perspective. And then it's just a case of you know, putting the right people in place to, you know, to be able to, to, to achieve that and how they go about doing it is it's kind of up to them. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, we, we pretty quickly know if someone's not fit for that kind of environment and, you know, we're very, we're very upfront with feedback that we'll give people if they're not performing. So it's, and I think that that's why, again, coming back to you know, why we stay so hands-on is because it, it, it allows us to see what, what really is feasible. You know, it, may, it allows us to stay, to see what needs to be the next thing on the, on the roadmap, yeah. clearly. And it's, it kind of allows us to spin the, 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 the iterative flywheel of the business you know, that much faster because we, we are in touch with the, with the end users. We are, you know, we're, we're experiencing all the challenges that are out there with the market, with, with the tech. So, you know, it's, it's going to be, yeah, it, it, it allows us just to be that much more reactive. I noticed you used the word flywheel there, Phil. Um, was that the Jim Collins flywheel? <clears throat> um, I've, I've always talked the Eric Reese flywheel, actually. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, 
I had um I was on an online training course with this guy Jim Collins on the Good to Great. So we oh, yeah. did two four-hour sessions, which were online massive great webinar, which you'd have thought would be. In, well, I mean, obviously not incredibly boring, but two four-hour sessions of an online training is like most people's idea of hell, right? Yeah. <laughs> he was very good, and that was the first time I'd really heard that kind of. Obviously, I've read the books, but um the kind of flywheel aspects of it i think is very very interesting do, do you have some key specific tasks that you're setting yourself that you feel are really going to help um accrue to really kind of move forward i think yeah, we've we've got a very very you know easy to measure targets in terms of you know the assets under management what the app looks like user acquisition the returns that we're making out of out of kind of um, base assets and you know with with a time frame so, and then we're reviewing those, you know, to all of our investors, we're sending out, you know, updates monthly, but, you know, internally we are, that's, that's the center of our, of, of, of what we do week to week. Um, yeah. And, you know, we, we, you can break down each one of those into, into lots of little tasks and what we need to do in order to get there. And you know, which ones are going well and which ones aren't, but it's, it's being just super clear. That's, that's what we're here to achieve. Um, you know, and we know that's, what's going to drive the success, the valuation of the business. So it, it, it the, the, what the, you know, there, there's a phrase that I'm, I'm very aware of from the guy from the Y Combinator, which is it's sort of playing house where yeah, okay. you see a lot of, a lot of startups doing, doing things that are very much window dressing. It, it kind yeah. of makes them look busy. It makes them look like they're doing something, but hmm. really it's not having any tangible impact on the bottom line or the longer term objectives of the business. So you know, we've identified what we need, which dials we need to move, and then we just make sure all the resources are aimed at achieving those. And in a world of kind of, you're in a world of innovative technology, are there any particular kind of key innovations that you think are really useful that are helping you to, to keep, keep up with that pace? There's, there's an obvious challenge with kind of staying connected when you're, when you're apart. And I think, you know, we're, we're heavy users of, of, of tech in that space and, you know, making okay. sure that we're, we're, you know, we're in close contact. I wouldn't say anything is particularly innovative about, you know, Slack and Zoom, but you know, it's um, we're we're heavy users of it, and we have a you know pretty strict and you know we, we I don't think I don't feel like we lack or a lack sort of FaceTime with each other despite not being not being close. Um, how, how long have you guys worked together for? Is it is it six months? You've kind of worked together in that crew, or what's slightly longer? I mean, we actually worked together at a previous company. For almost four years, I think. Oh, I think okay, right, yeah, like, yeah. Slightly, so in different slightly in different teams in different teams. Yeah. So it's kind of uh, Phil was more focused on the on the sales back then, and uh, and so we had less contact. But um, yeah, it's um, it's been it's been good actually. Um, so have you have I, you been in an office together? Just out of interest, have you guys been in an office together since you've been doing the business together? And to say where you live, but I just out of interest, you know. You obviously no. got a successful business that's growing. You're about to release a product. Have you ever been in the the same room together in the last six months? No, it's bizarre. It's uh, it's strange, isn't it? But yeah, probably spend more time with Louis than I do with the family. So you know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, he's, he's a lucky boy. He's a lucky boy. It, 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 it's um, one of one of the one of the colleagues. Um, one of our colleagues is uh, more local to myself, so we we meet up the coffee shop from time to time and just do a bit of work um just sort of get out of these four walls but um yeah i would say as well like what's what's really useful for being a remote 
company and um, a startup really is the sort of um, the kind of AWS managed serverless technology that we use. So, you know, I think, you know, you're obviously trying to keep costs down. And um, one of the ways is not having to hire a big um, platform team to, you know, manage the servers or manage deployments and that sort of thing. So one of the benefits we think we've found is, you know, using um, serverless and, su and such like is that it's very simple to deploy things. It's very simple things, you know, they just get upgraded and we're not really, we're not, we're not really dealing with loads of downtime maintenance. So I think that's a, that's a really key thing. Yeah. Yeah. It just helps, doesn't it? It gives you that, that kind of bandwidth is how having to kind of make those huge investments of, you know, 20 infrastructure people, it's easier to kind of roll out and, and that, that speeds up the pace of innovation, I guess, doesn't it? Because you, you're able to kind of make those big changes without making that big investment, which is really, really important at this stage is your in, in your growth as a business. Yeah, it's, it's so true. We, 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 um, back when we were a previous company, um, together, we were, we were, we embarked on a kind of journey of into kind of microservices and lots of new technology and so on. And there were some decisions that were made um, along the way about what tech we'd use and um, how we would build our software and deploy it. And looking back, um, those technology decisions meant that we had a lot of manual maintenance of, of it and, and, and making and ensuring that the software was running, the software was getting built, and, and there was a lot of headaches really with that. And so in, in a way, a lot of decisions we've We've, used, we've, we've made like using GitHub um, for, for our um, store our software um, using that to deploy it as well. It's just so easy to get set up. And so that's, it might seem like a really simple thing. That's, that's a popular choice of technology, but actually at a previous company, we're using uh, self-managed and self-hosted Jenkins. And Jenkins is fine. A lot of tech companies use it, but there's a lot of maintenance there, particularly as you scale and want to be building stuff quite rapidly and regularly. So there's, I mean, there's a lot, there were lots of things like that um, on, a, on, on a, you know, repeatable basis, stuff like we used um, a technology called Kubernetes and, and that, was, that was good in some ways, but again, very complicated and complex to manage. So we stayed well away from that. And, um, and, and as a result, I think, you know, we've, we've not got too many ball and chains um, dragging behind our feet at the moment. Fantastic. Yeah. It keeps that it keeps that platform simple and, and able to move forward. And just my kind of last question at the moment, I think both of you are leaders that worked in different types of companies and kind of come together. So what would you both say in kind of individually the most important things you've learned as you, in your journey as a leader in the last kind of six to nine months as you've really built this product and this business? Maybe Louis yourself first and we'll leave it to Phil to finish off. Sure, sure. I'm sure... Um... His, his contribution would be much more wise. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think, um, well, I'll say it's, interesting, it's, it's, a, it's a tough one. I think probably um, for me, it would be um, to lead, lead from the front, um, lead by example as well. So I'm often really interested by kind of military leaders um, and um, back in, in the sort of Second World War and, and uh, one of the things that some of the famous British um, leaders that, that were actually most successful and pioneers were those who were actually with the troops on the front line a lot of the time they weren't just talking a good game and I always feel like you know if you want something done well um, you've got to um, 
you've got to demonstrate it yourself and uh, you've got to demonstrate the sort of best practices and so on. So that would be for me, um, yeah, one of the most important things I've learned. How about you, Phil? It's, it's a really odd one. Like, I always think uh, a bit counterintuitively, I came from quite a, you know, finance tends to be quite like a macho environment. And you know, I've led teams previously and sort of earlier in my career. And, and, you know, it was all about, it was quite like a, I don't know, it was a macho culture where, you know, it was about just hard charging, you know, work hard, play hard, that sort of thing. And, you know, it's all nothing but positivity allowed, I think. And, um, you know, the, and uh, yeah, to the point where, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, no, no, don't get me wrong. It's not about being in the dumps, but it's, it's, it's about showing, being, not being afraid. And this is, this is sort of quite cheesy, but it's about showing a bit of vulnerability. Okay, and yeah. I think that because previously I'd sort of just said, you know, it's almost not accepting any kind of, you know, um, negativity out of my team and just say, you know, you need to be positive, you need to be pushing forward. And, you know, and I would, you know, I would, I would do nothing but be positive. And I think you almost end up with this, this culture then where no one can actually speak up. You know, you kind of miss, miss things. It's, it's quite, it's quite a good culture to have in sales because that's kind of needed, you know, but I think just why I think I think you just you 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 capture heart, hearts and minds of people more if you show a bit of vulnerability as a leader, and yeah. you know, if it if it's if it's never anything but positive and everything's great and all that kind of stuff, then people sort of I don't know they either don't believe you or they think you're a bit disingenuous that sort of thing. So yeah, the von, the vulnerability aspect, just being yeah being upfront, honest about the, the real challenges and giving a balanced view at times that sort of thing. I think that can that can add a lot of value. Yeah, and it's a, it's a good it's a good lesson to learn, isn't it? Um, particularly as you're kind of really bind, binding people together at this kind of initial phase. You know, it's not all going to be easy, so there's no point kind of moving away from that, isn't it? So yeah, brilliant. Well, um, that's been a great conversation, guys. Thank you very much for for both of your time. Um, I do wish you well with the product launch. I think that we'll probably be going live with this episode around the same time as the product launch. So I'm sure it'll be very, very successful, but I'm sure the next three to four weeks as we're recording this mid mid August will be a, be quite a, quite a tumultuous time. So I'm sure you've got kind of lots of, lots of stuff to do, but thank you very much for your time today. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.